hosted by Ms. Noir. The Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country, as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. If you want global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines, vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. Are you looking for local handcrafted leather goods? Look no further than Skin on Skins, a local mission leather working shop. All original pieces handcrafted for you. Jackets, belts, purses, jewelry, everything made out of leather. You need your bicycle seat fixed? You want it in cool leather? Under can do it. You have a motorcycle that you want to fit out with side bags and cool stuff talk to under go to skinonskins.com that's s-k-i-n-o-n-s-k-i-n-s.com you just went to Folsom Street Fair and you don't have enough leather go see under everything is handcrafted and understated quality fine leather handcrafted goods for all of your needs he also does fixes maybe you love that jacket he'll put the zipper back in Talk to Under at SkinOnSkins.com at 20th and Mission. Check them out at SkinOnSkins.com. L-S-D, fap, acid and fapping, fapping and acid, acid fapping, fapping and acid, fap, 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 acid. Thank you. That song is called Acid and Fapping. What is flat black plastic what could it be it's exactly what you think it is flat black plastic vinyl records round played mixed all for you every Saturday from noon to two by Scotto Amazing artist, music DJ, vinyl enthusiast. That is flat black plastic. This is Tusha Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! 
My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, look good on camera, end all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. exploit who you are as a person in order to um in order to relate to the masses which is crazy because like or to interest the masses and we're trying to interest the masses right now just to let you guys know we're starting a new podcast it's 10 o'clock uh hey we're here with bella dillman and looks like sam carroll's gonna go get a burrito or something but i'm pam benjamin we're hanging out we're doing weird podcasty stuff we're talking we're hanging out in the stew so yay! I just wanted yay. to. We just started a new one, so I was like, "All right, we gotta give a demarcation of time and stuff." So yay! No, all of the things that we're talking about are really important, and people have to engage in actual conversations to move society forward because things are a problem. I've um, I'm trying to feel more like a. I'm trying to use my wokeness on my Zoom calls with all my buddies in Jersey because they are fucking so racist. Do you know how racist people are on the East Coast? It's insane. I finally, this is the first time in my life that I've been like, wow, like as a woke Californian, I need to stop you in the middle of your story and talk about how you just said like four super racist things and we have to back up and start thinking about our language, bro. We can't. Every person that, like, when they tell a story, talks about the color of somebody's skin, don't do it. Demarcate them in any other way. They're a millennial, they're young, they're poor, they're rich, they're whatever. But don't do it by the color of their skin, because one at a time, we can start rolling back this racist bullshit. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Completely. Like, I, I understand that, too. Um... All this, all this, like, this free speech radio is amazing, but I think it is, like, necessary to have a conversation, and sometimes, that's why we sometimes get into some, some... We've yelled at each other, and that's mm-hmm. fine. I think we've been yelling it's on dialogue. the same side. It's a dialogue. It's a dialogue. We, we, yeah, we were yelling on we the same side just now, yeah. Side. And I shouldn't yell, and I feel like, oh, it makes me, my, and I've been taught that, so, uh, in my first year of poetry school... This guy, Dan Langton, he might be dead now, but he was a beat poet. He was with all those guys. And I had a poetry class with him, and he was amazing. And he said, and this works for comedy too, he said, when you're doing a live reading, 
and people aren't listening to you. Your impetus is to go faster and be louder. And he said, no, go against that. Go slower and be softer. If yeah. you if you cut it down, if the exactly. audience isn't listening, you want to go faster. You want to tell them like, no, listen to me, listen to me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And they're going to go get a drink and they're going to look at their phone and they're going to do whatever the fuck they're doing. But if you stop and go like silent and then whisper stuff, they are right back with you. And that was specifically with poetry, but I move that into comedy in the same way. It really, it works. It works. You have to let something sit. You do, because I have, I do also have the uh, inclination to always speed through my jokes and not let them sit, but I've gotten to a better place where I feel so. When the audience, when you Mm -hmm. see them sort of go get a drink or start looking at their phone, you're like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. But look at me, look at me up here. Like, like, I'm yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a thing that and I always They're not going to go like. with that. I'm back. They're going to go if you start. Go, hey. Hey. Like that's with parenting too. No. Hey parents. Hey parents, let's let's take a lesson from this. <laughs> Don't yell at your kids. Don't spank your kids. Because we fucking love those kids, right? And they're not going to listen if you're just yelling at them. I'm telling you, they're just going to want to rebel more. Uh, uh, this is a woman who took two education classes. Let's go. I know everything. I know everything. Well, I've, I have, uh, I've tried to call people out on the bus for bad parenting, and it doesn't always work the way I hope it does. Uh, there was oh God! I tried to I tried to call my own mother and father out on bad parenting, and they were butthurt. Yeah, like yeah. I get it, I get it. Oh God, you're parenting me, and I'm the one that's like, oh God, you shouldn't do this. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like you are the one that, you, of course, you don't want. It. And I'm like, no. But, uh, Power uh, struggle with I'm your telling on you. <laughs> I'm telling you, you shouldn't pinch your kids that hard. <laughs> like don't pinch them. Right. <laughs> Leave them alone. Well, they're chilling. <laughs> here's the thing: I, I've never shaken a baby, but I've shivered a baby. You know what oh I mean? My God. You, like have a baby, and you're like, Yeah. Why okay. are you not? Why are you crying? It's. I fed you. I fed you, and you have a clean diaper. Pam. I'm not shaking a baby. I'm it's shivering just, a baby. It's just. It's a shiver. Like a little slight it's a gesture. Shiver. It's a, a shiver. gesture that you it's should be worried. Shiver. No, I. You you look at them in the face and you go, "What do you need?" That's that's why I get postpartum depression so much is because like, I I was a daycare worker and I took care of the care I took care of the baby so good. All of the all of the all of the women there were like, "No, just let them cry." And I was like, "No, No. I'm going to be the fairy princess and I'm I'm going to take care of all these babies." At the same time, I'm going to take care of six babies. They're not going to cry. But there was this one baby who came in, like, in the middle of when I was working, when I was working overtime every day, like, 12 hours a day. 13th hour. Yeah, bitch. 13th hour. Like, opening and closing this fucking daycare. Mm. Doing both. Mm. And at that point, he came in, and he was eight months old, mm. and he he wasn't socialized to the daycare thing he only knew his mom he only wanted his mom he's like i need a tit right now so yeah exactly and i had to he would cry every second of the day and so i would hold him 
I don't know. It does. It, I don't know if when they're sleeping. Know about babies, mm-hmm. babies that are yeah, babies that are sleeping that are happy, and then another baby cry. The, they wake up and they're like, I'm not happy. I just want to sleep. And what they're saying is, let me sleep. Let me sleep. That's all they're saying. And yeah. the baby's like, I need, I need you can't get me. It's awful. Yeah, and so at that point, that I was holding that baby and I was just like, I could crush a baby. <laughs> if I wanted to crush a baby, I could crush it. I didn't crush the baby, obviously. No, of course I'm you here. Didn't crush the baby. Of course I didn't crush oh, the baby. baby. But postpartum depression is Sweet real because baby. sometimes you're just like, holy fucking Sweet shit. Baby. This sucks. Oh goodness. I uh there was a I had a family that I nannied for and they their child was three months old and they wanted to go on a vacation and I had been with their baby and everything was fine and they were like, We're gonna be gone for forty eight hours. And wow, wow, it is, I am so glad I never birthed my own child and I'm so glad that I get paid to hang out with small children and it makes me crazy that moms aren't paid to hang out with small children because it is a real fucking job. It is actual hard labor and that it isn't respected makes me like cringe that we have arguments about how women aren't respected right now in our current current gestalt when everybody demonizes single moms. And that makes no sense because they are working so much harder. They're a single mom. That means they probably have a, two jobs and they're still taking care of their children. And then you're like, oh, we shouldn't give you money, you weirdo. Why are you take, taking money to fucking raise children, which is so hard. I don't know. And I'm just a nanny. I don't even have my own kids. I can't even imagine. I just try to love your kids as hard as you would love them. You love your own kids? I want to love your kid as much as you love your kid. Because you're paying me 20 bucks an hour. Of course I'm going to love your kid real hard. You're paying me to do it. I'm super down, bro. I will love your child. I love kids. I love cats. I love birds and Dogs are okay or whatever. Dogs are great. You just have to... The pooping. Oh, so much pooping. Babies are great, but so much pooping, right? Like, wow. And here's the thing. Why can you throw baby poop away in, like, the regular garbage, but in the tenderloin when people shit into a clamshell, everybody gets all up in arms like, oh, they're shitting in the... Why are they throwing poop away in the... Are we not, why is baby poop okay to throw away, but human, are babies not humans? I don't know. No, yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, there's, there's like this whole like bio, like when I was working at a daycare too, there was one kid who was, who only had cloth diapers. Oh God. And we had to just scrape that shit out, yeah, dude. Yeah, like, toilet, yeah, yeah. What do you do? You flush it down and then you stick it in a plastic you bag. You can't expect, if you're at a daycare, if your kid's at a daycare, you cannot expect those women. It's an organic who are, daycare. Okay, who are mostly, like, Pakistani and Indian women who have not gotten, like, opportunities to do anything. Like, w- one of my coworkers was a fucking engineer. Yeah, of course. Was a fucking engineer in Pakistan. And she she was like, when I quit, she was like, how much do you get paid? And I was like, nine fifty. And then she was like, I get paid $7 an hour. 
And I was like, I'm so much under, I'm so much more underqualified than you. Yeah. How the fuck are they paying you this, dog? Like, how the fuck are you paying? Well, that's, so that's the thing is that when the cheaper the labor, the more profit exists. And that's how America was built. Here's the thing I say all the time. Everyone's like, oh, how much do you love Abraham Lincoln? Oh, Abraham Lincoln, he freed the slaves and did all this stuff. Abraham Lincoln didn't free the slaves because he was a fucking humanitarian. He freed them because the people in the North were pissed at the people in the South because they're like, we can't make as much money because they have free labor. Yeah. They have free labor. They have slavery and they don't have to pay their workers and we're up here trying to make a product and we have to pay our people actual money even if they're indentured servants and we've been trying to subjugate them for a long time but they have fucking rights or whatever and they just won't let because we wrote this thing about the constitution we're like oh people have rights and like oh no we got to respect their rights and we don't and they don't have to respect these people's rights as rights and they get free labor fuck them and that's why Abraham Lincoln fucking freed the slaves. It was to placate all of the industry people in the North because yeah. they had to pay for I their mean, labor. I mean, it's kind of impossible. It, it is kind of impossible to believe that... Um, well, I mean, I guess there were abolitionists of the age and stuff like that. And like, they were I just humanitarians. Don't, uh, they yeah. were saying these people are people. But what I'm saying is that the politician of Abraham Lincoln did not free the slaves because he was a humanitarian, not because he was Frederick Douglass, not because he was fucking Harriet Tubman, not Mm -hmm. for any of those reasons, but because he had to placate the capitalist movement in the North. Yeah, but it just kind of like spurs a a conversation. Like, I know that politicians, like, are it's very easy to see, to feel like they're doing everything to further their career in politics, but if there were people in the North who um, who didn't want slaves who were in that same boat, like, couldn't it, it, it could also be possible that he, uh, Abraham Lincoln, like, yes, that is an ulterior motive, and that's, like, something that is kind of believable, but also it's not unbelievable that uh, Abraham Lincoln felt things for these for these people who were being oppressed and kind of was like just more of a progressive soul and had this empathy about him and stuff I like that. I hope so. Yeah, like that's definitely a hope, but also and it is believable like what you're saying is just like oh if it like if if you do really believe that all politicians are completely figureheads yeah. that are total puppets that are just mm-hmm. forwarding the keeping the wealth in the hands of a few. At that point in time, though, I don't really think that very many people had the, like, especially now, like, now no one votes. Like, how many people were really voting Well, you couldn't vote. Women couldn't vote. I know women couldn't vote. And, and, and like, how many people were, were exactly fifths of a vote? Like, so, who were the people who were really voting? Like, were you really puppets of this, this mass people? Like, but also... People who are incarcerated can't vote. Exactly. And, and that's uh, racist and systematic. Who gets mm-hmm. to vote? So you have to have money to vote. You have to be a landholder to vote. Originally, you had to be a landholder. And what if you aren't? What if you're a woman and you're not allowed to hold land? What if you're a witch? And what if your dad gave you land and you didn't get married because of whatever reason and then they crucify you as a I witch? Mean, yeah, because they, they want to mm-hmm. steal your land. That's what they were doing in the 15s and 1600s and fucking... In England, they all the women that had any volition of their own without a man, they were a witch. And what did you do? 
they couldn't have anything and then they just kill them and you take whatever they had and wow i don't know it's like mm-hmm. Are we going to move into the future and see people as people? When is a person a person? When is someone who lives in Malaysia good enough that they don't make 10 cents on the dollar? When does it mean that, oh, you're making, like, so, for example, old Navy jeans, like, where are they made? Malaysia and Kuala Lumpur and all these places. And people are paid nothing. And they have real skills. When you sew pants, sewing is a real skill. So we're just not paying those people because they live in another country? What, because they're not good enough? Like, because only Americans get to have this lifestyle or only Chinese people? Or who do we decide that gets to have a roof over their head and and not have to poop into a ditch? Like, when Mm -hmm. do we decide that we can facilitate everyone's needs? Yeah. That's really hard. Um... It's I just peed like, on the street last night. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, get yeah, it. definitely. Like, oh, <laughs> like you got to sometimes. I, I've been peeing in public a lot more lately uh, because I'm tired of waiting. Well, COVID has closed all the bathrooms. You go to a fucking uh, gas station and you can't use the restroom. Like, no one lets you use the potty because, oh, the COVID and the stuff. And so we just keep getting yeah. more and more distanced. And who gets to use the toilet? Who's good enough? It's just like it is Who's really scary to me. Enough. I just like honestly, ideally, if I wasn't bored as shit and fucking tired as fuck of being inside, I just would ideally want to be like ideally. Okay, I ideally would want to be a cast member on Love Island. I don't know what this is. Love Island. They are in a quarantine bubble in Las Vegas. Oh goodness! Drinking cocktails mm. and fucking bitches dude Mm. and like being filmed for reality tv and having drama like that is fine with me i wouldn't get sick no one would be going out like that's my ideal like i want to have fun you want to be on big brother i want to be on big brother that's what i want that's yeah they Big Brother. Quarantine before quarantine, they were like, "Oh no, you're quarantined." It was like, "I can't handle it." There are so many yeah, videos yeah, yeah. of people having to tell the people on Big Brother that they were in quarantine. Like they were like, "Well, um, uh, I understand that you guys have been here for two weeks and don't know anything about the news, but the news is that everyone's dying and everything's locked down." And you know how you thought you were going to be here for three weeks? I think you might be here for ten months. <gasps> you know, like that kind of... What's in the refrigerator? That's yeah. the thing. Is like, Big Brother, I want to get into that refrigerator. I would never get kicked off any of those shows because I love cooking so much. Oh, yeah. And nobody, they'd be ne- like, no one would, oh, mm-hmm. we can't get rid of Pam. Mm-hmm. She's cooking all the good meals. She's working with the sap. How'd she find the saffron? What even is that? She smuggled it in? How did that happen? Yeah. I mean, are you, is everything going to be okay? You checking it out? I keep, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just, All every once lives. in a while. I know. Somebody uh, film us here. Eight, 4HD. It's going to be like Muni Radio uh, reality uh, TV show. Yeah, we are currently in the midst of just the most Flava Flav shit I've ever. Like, it's like, who wrote this? Who I don't want this? this. Who wrote it? Oh, I'm Who in. wrote this? 
Who wrote it? Because <laughs> it's like, honestly, I know I'm the queen of the universe, as I said before, but like, I didn't write this story. I don't want this. Uh, no, you're you're a, you're a feminist queen. I love you. I I, yeah. I think you're so funny and original and wonderful, and I'm so glad that you're here and hanging out at Mutiny Radio. Bella but Dylan, men everyone. suck. Will they do sometimes? I honestly think that they're just babies. And They're big they, old babies, and honestly, that's why I was like, that's why I was not really into at first dating someone who was younger than me, because I was like, I already hate men who are older than me. <laughs> like they already act like fucking children. Like, True. what am I gonna do with a man who's younger than me? Yeah. yeah. Well, it is impossible to curb anyone's behavior, but. Sometimes you have to put your foot down, and even oh, if you I don't understand <laughs> at the time, it's just that for, for my own safety tonight, I had to put the kibosh on some behavior. He's done because, it to me. But He's done thing. it to me, if too. If you applaud negative behavior, then they think it's okay. Yeah. I used to teach small children, and if you give them positive reinforcement for a negative behavior, they think the negative behavior, because it yields attention not all, uh, negative he attention, is positive. just a you little can't. boy lashing out right now and i'm so mad about it because it's like uh, it's a lot of men too like my cousin's husband who's just sitting there lashing out because someone got mad at him for not wearing a mask one time like the reason why he's being like this is because he was like oh, well, I wasn't wrong for not wearing a mask that one time and now you guys are mad at me like i was never wrong you know, like, like, that's how it is with men sometimes. Like, and I am i don't know if it's men, like, maybe sometimes it's women. I honestly haven't interacted as much with women, especially romantically. I think that women are not taught that their ego is as important as men are taught that their needs. And I think ego is derived out of needs. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times men's needs are more aptly met. No, but also I feel bad for men. I do. I'm sorry. I feel bad for myself, obviously, all the time. I feel bad for women all the time. But I feel bad for men because, like, how, like, what would it be like to grow up with this entitlement that, like, it, every little thing sets me off? Like, I would fucking hate that because I'm a kind person. And whenever I get angry, like, right now when I'm angry, I'm like, I fucking hate that. I hate that. I don't like, like to feel angry. Well, sometimes I do. If I'm in a if I'm in a rant and I'm yelling at someone, feeling angry can feel good, as long as you're comfortable enough with the person that you know that at the end of it they're gonna be okay. Like if you're gonna yell at someone, it has to be a person that you're comfortable enough with that you they're not exactly. gonna hate you at the end of it. And this is the first person that I truly have felt com like because people have done shit shit to me all the time. But this is the first person that I felt comfortable with being like, I'm calling you out right this fucking second. You're being an idiot. And then he's like, why don't we bring up? And I'm like, you're being an idiot, dude. Like, that's you being an idiot. Like, right. Gotta that, that's completely unfounded. We just had like four weeks of us being in complete bliss. And even two days ago, talking about how much we were honeymooning still, he's just like, it is infuriating that change, you know, like it's. It's annoying, you know, because I feel so secure that when this happens, I know it's just, like, him being a fucking dickhead. And I'm like, it's not him being 
It's alcohol, it, honestly. Yeah, and it's, I it, that's all hate it is. It sometimes it's though, all, it's all it is. And uh, my last relationship for seven years with with a wonderful gentleman, and I and I do still love him dearly. But even after we broke up, he said it's so funny because I realize now that seventy five percent of our relationship was based on alcohol. And that is absolutely true, that for seven years, our relationship was so blissful because all we did was drink together. Oh, no. And like, I, I've been sober for a long – well, I mean, like, on and off sober for a long time. And it's not about us drinking together because he's been sober, too. And it's like he's the one person – he is the one man who is, like, one of the only men who has turned me down while I was drunk. Huh. You know, like, uh, you know, because I, I know he respects – that's sort of like I know he puts on like a big front and he's going through a lot right now, but like he's fucking like he's a good person. And that's the thing that I see that it's so annoying when I see him doing these things and I don't know when it's going to prove it. Like I don't he's not going to prove himself that he's a bad person because I know how good he is. Yeah. You know, like he's he's an amazing fucking person and it just annoys me when he does stuff like this because it's an it's not him. Yeah. And maybe I put him on a pedestal, but it's not him. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's the alcohol. I'm telling yeah. you. It's, uh, it, and I, I've browned out black. I mean, when I'm in a blackout, nobody knows it because I'm still lucid. So I make choices and I'm still myself. I just don't remember it later. But I can get, and because I don't remember it later, it sort of gives me this, blanket to not be afraid of my behavior and that's mm -hmm. something that I'm working on in that I have to eat enough so that I don't black out and like why do I feel the need to not have any responsibility for what I'm doing with my behavior exactly like I have so many times had to go back and take responsibility for what I've done during a blackout because I am like I have done multiple things not only to get arrested but to like like my friends, God, like I, there. I was yeah. so many positive, like I was so, po I was so positive so many times that my friends were never going to speak to me again because I like would black out and f fucking fist fight them. Sure. No, you know, I've like bad fights. I, I hear you. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you have to own up for that shit, but it's so hard to get to the point where you will, because you're always like. I was drinking. I can be different when I'm not drinking. I'm a, I'm a whole different person whole different when I'm person. drinking. Well, but that's, and it's like, yeah, but then but reel it back, baby. But don't black out. If you don't remember your own behavior, what do you have to be responsible for? Exactly. Now, that's my own, like, of course. And it's, it's so much easier when you wake up, when you come out of a blackout and you're like, where am I? I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get home. Who knows what happens? Whatever. Like, it's much... I'm so lucky I've never had an STD, honestly. Yeah. I've woken up in people's houses with, and I'll even admit this on radio, with wet jeans. You ever been on the 14 bus going back? Oh, you your pissed house? your pants I first? I pissed my pants. I know. I've, I've been there, too. Wet fucking pants on the... And I'm on the bus, and I'm like, can everybody smell me? Everybody smells piss. Everybody can see that my pants are wet. Does it look like my pants are dry? What does it look like? I don't know what's going on. Oh, shit. Like... And I'm still a little drunk, so I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, I fist my pants. I'm good. Hope, but to like, be wow. 
Like it's yeah, and but then because I was so wasted, I don't remember what happened, so I don't have to take responsibility for all of that because I don't remember it anyway. Exactly. And, but that's what I'm trying to change. I mean, I'm fucking over forty now. Jesus Christ, it's time to change that shit, right? And I, I definitely eat more, and I haven't been peed by pants in a long time. Oh, congratulations! But here's the thing, people who might date me in the future if I decide to pass out not in my bed with my jeans in on on the carpet that's because my jeans are a sponge please please don't take my pants off please please boy who's staying with me nice man whoever you are leave me on the carpet do not take my pants off they are a sponge Oh yeah. Be on the team. Absolutely. Be on the team. Absolutely. Be on the team. Don't like <laughs> my mom. I okay. So one of the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me is okay. The, okay. One of the most embarrassing things that ever happened to me is when I went to my cousin's wedding, and I was completely fucked up. It was like. It was a weekend where there were three parties and a party suite. So the first night, I hooked up with one of his friends and um, ran away from security trying to get into uh, – trying to not get in trouble because I was underage. And then there was the next day where I was just blackout and hooked up with another one of his friends. And then the third day, it was the wedding, the wedding. And I went home with my mom who was sleeping in the other bed. And I pissed this hotel bed so bad, so bad. And my mom tried to undress me. And it was just so much worse. It was just everywhere. That's not what we want. It's absolutely not what we want. It was, it, like, that was probably the time that my mom was like, okay, time to time to change. She's like, reel it back, daughter of mine. Yes, please. I love you so much. But if you could not pee in. I threw up once. Uh, I was on a family cruise uh, going to Alaska my parents, I was I was 19 at the time. They put my brother and I in a room deep, deep in the caverns. They were up with one of the things. They had a balcony. And uh, I, I drank so much, I threw up in my bed. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to take all of my sheets into the shower to sort of wash them off. And I was in a room with my brother. And I had to wake up the next morning. And I had to go kayaking with my dad. No. And I was so hungover. And I kayaked, and we were, like, hitting salmon. And I was like, this is so beautiful, and this would be great if I didn't want to die right now. It wasn't um, the end it of was, me. I, I was – I remember being a kid. Uh, I remember my parents used to buy me things. That was great. <laughs> that was awesome. I remember those days. <sighs> my parents don't they – don't, uh, they don't respect my lifestyle very much. No, really? Nope, not at all. They are not into free speech and what I'm doing. Uh, they're um, Christians. They mm-hmm. uh, love God very much. Oh yeah, and that's great. That's I, I, they're afraid of death. That's cool. I'm down. Like it's fine. I, I I'm down with existential dread. They want to believe in twelve mansions in heaven. Good stuff. Like hell yeah. Yeah. No. Hey, I respect it. Like if if I could have a, va- I feel like I took 
I feel like I was in the Matrix and I took the fucking red pill or whatever. And I was like, oh, now I see the truth and everything sucks and we're all going to die. And uh, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the reality of life. That's well, That's what's so crazy because it's like when you're trying so hard to get something and you feel like that's the only way that your life will be fulfilled, mm. then that be, creates like a completely different environment for you to have fun. Like I feel like I have so many things that could make my life happy. And it's like you can't, you can't just bet on one, obviously. Like I'm not going to do anything to uh, – get rid of those opportunities, but I'm going to work my hardest on every single opportunity that could possibly make me happy. And maybe it'll make me a jack of all trades, but master of none, but maybe I'll be happy. There's a old song from the forties and it's a standard and it goes, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. Yeah. I'm betting everything I have on you. Uh, and it's and it's not, don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's don't do how it. I feel sometimes. Don't. Though. You can't. Well, and God, for a long time in my life, I didn't. I I separated my eggs, and and now I've got all my eggs in the mutiny basket, and it's very scary because then it's like, oh my God, what if I lose the basket? But then it's like, wow, what freedom if the basket disappears? Like, wow, what would what would happen to my life? If I didn't have this albatross around my neck, like what could yeah, I do? Where exactly? Could I, go? I could go and anywhere. some. Yeah, I sometimes could do it, it seems like the better option. Maybe. Sometimes it seems like the better option to take that albatross off your neck. But also, if it's the thing that you love and it's the thing that you are really doing, and it's like you've worked so hard for it, then why give it up? That's my thing. Is it's like it's so hard for me to give things up. I know, I know. Because of that. Because I'm like, I have put so much into this. But maybe attachments. I mean, the Buddhists say that attachments are the root of all suffering. So if you remove all the attachments, then you can finally be free. And but so, that's so crazy to me because attachments, family, you know? like I, like I, I see attachments more with like attachment with people Yeah. and it's like family, friends, what do you do when those go away? Because I don't think I would be happy because when I haven't had those personal, um, ties, yeah, tethers, to tethers the world. Yeah. to the world. Yeah. It's been so different for me. And I like, honestly, like me thinking that I'm a fucking God who's controlling the world is so much less healthy than me having a fucking boyfriend and being like in my family and helping them out. Like I would rather not be famous because I would think that I was like fucking the controller of the universe. My yes. brain would be insane. I don't think I could handle it. I think the answer is to smoke more pot. I think that that's. The- I think the answer to smoke less pot, dude. Ah. Honestly, like I smoked pot from Sam, and now I'm like, hello, I am the fucking. <laughs> I am the. Number. Oh, I am a like, god. I am a king. I am a king. I am a god. <laughs> Everything's gonna work out. I can control this person. It doesn't matter my expectations because no matter how high they are, they will reach them because I control everything. Well, which I- is a lie and a fucking disappointment when I don't control everything. The only thing we can control is our own selves and our reactions to the things around us. Exactly. But I've gotten to a point that I'm like, people think it's fucking weird. Like, people think I'm being, like, fucking victimized. Not by 
like by everybody like by my mom by my family everyone thinks i'm being victimized but i'm like honestly i don't give a fuck dude like just like like i don't like that's the thing like yes they have high expectations of me but i'm there like i don't give a shit like why do you think this is a bad thing like it's fine like i'm fine and it's not me being like disingenuous or not following my dreams it's like i'm glad that i get to help my family out i'm glad that i get to help people out that's my fucking calling that's my calling is helping people why aren't you a nun no put on the I habit baby fuck so much oh, i f- God, too much dude i do and it's like also like i like i like god like i do and i love god oh, that's cool no i'm down but with god. also it's like it's like sometimes i'm like bro like no matter what i do in this life you gotta like have me because i'm because i have gone through so much dog like i'm trying my best like yeah there's no like because i believe in you like dog just like chill with me bro like please like <laughs> yeah no hey uh look to the birds of the sky they do not sow or reap or stow away in barns and yet your heavenly father takes care of them yeah uh, i'm down with that bird shit I'm, uh, I mean, yes, exactly. I don't think that a higher being like that would punish you for being human. Well, and, you know, humans are born sinners, baby. This is a fucking preacher podcast on humans are born sinners, dog. And I'm a sinner. And everyone around me is a sinner. And so I let everyone treat me however they want to. (laughs) So take the plank out of your own eye before removing the speck from your brother's eye. Another fucking... Hell yeah. You know more about the Bible than me. You know more about the Bible than me because I have never heard about it. I I was uh, (laughs) traditionally raised in the Bible. I went to Christian school for like... Years and years of my life. and then Oh, that's I, cool. I'm just casual Bible. Yeah. I studied Judaism for many, many years as well. So I'm versed in that's all of the Judeo-Christian fuck. things. I don't know a lot about Muslim shit. I know a little bit about the Mormons. I know just enough to be dangerous about the Mormons. But uh, Honestly, yeah. I hate these boys, but I love these boys because they always know how to like bring it to like something super not serious oh, you know yeah where'd sam go speaking of i know sam being like speaking of, yeah, speaking of like me and you together i feel we bounce off each other and we're like let's get into no, the like, 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 and like talking yeah like fuck like let's go let's go into the entire thing like what is life about what is life about? And when two men get together too, I feel like that's how they're like too. They're like, that's why Joe Rogan. Like, how big is your dick? Man? <laughs> that's why Joe Rogan like, is always like, yeah, I did DMT, and you know what I saw? Have like, you done DMT? No, I'm, so, I'm talking about uh, Joe Rogan. I I don't no, think no, I know. I get it. DMT. I know he talks about DMT too. Ba- like my brain, fry zone. Like I last time I did acid. It was probably like it changed my life in a way that made me scared of literally making any mistakes. Like I was like, I have to stop drinking or I'm a fucking idiot. I have to stop fucking doing this or I'm a fucking idiot. I have to call my mom. I have to be a better daughter. And it made me anxious about everything. So now I can't let anyone down because but like also like whatever. Fuck it. Who cares? But um, that acid trip just made me feel so anxious about my life. And I think it, it like, honestly, like, my dad, like, and schizophrenia is, like, fucking triggered by drugs and 
shit like yeah, that. Yeah, acid. I hear that acid definitely triggers schizophrenia. Yeah, so <laughs> I fucked my life up. Who else did that for themselves? <laughs> Who else gave themselves a mental illness that a lot of people have to go to the mental hospital for forever? So I've done over, I'm going to say in my lifetime that I've done over 600 hits of acid. So uh, that's a lot of acid. And they say that that after seven hits, you're legally insane. And I, and I'll, I'll deal with that. And that's fine. I didn't even get there, dude. It's because my whole family is like fucking crackhead crazy. Like, that's why it took me only a few to be like, I'm... I'm legally insane. <laughs> but I, I mean, I definitely talk to myself all the time and I hear voices in my head and I've had invisible friends since I was young. There's no question about that. I remember having invisible friends since the time I was allowed to do that. Um, and I've always had a very, very rich fantasy life um, <laughs> throughout my entire life. I mean, it's not that that's a problem with me. It's like I like the things that I see are like. I'm not crying. I'm literally just, I smoked weed. Um, I like the things that I see are like disembodied human people and like people being like, like I would be half asleep and there would someone be yelling like, you don't like anybody. Like, you know, you don't love these people. What the fuck are you doing here? Like stuff like that. Just yelling at me. Like, insanity vortex that I'm surprised that I haven't had a nervous breakdown yet you know like um just it takes a different type of person to cope like everything I see is a threat to me huh and so it's like I've been trying I've learned a lot of things to be able to cope with stuff like that but I don't know what I did to myself but I I did a lot of drugs during high... Like, I was always kind of neurotic, but I did a lot of drugs during high school. I was never aware, so I can't even, like, know if it's something that happened naturally or if it's something that I triggered. triggered. Yeah, sure. You know why Californians can't have guns? Why? Because they're always triggered. (laughs) That's funny. I like that. Constantly triggered. No, hey, I, I get it. I'm lucky that I didn't... I didn't... Do I smoked pot for the first time when I was like seventeen? I had done. I didn't do any things. I didn't even drink. In I started school. drinking when I was twelve years old. I started smoking weed when I was thirteen. I started doing coke when I was sixteen. Wow! Yeah. I started. Um, what else? Or well, I started doing Xanax when I was sixteen. I started doing opioids when I was sixteen. Yeah. I started... I didn't ever like opioids. Opioids made me nauseous all the time, but I thought they were amazing for some reason. I started taking Xanax every day when I was 16. Well, Xanax is in the Tupam family. It's a benzodiazepine. It's actually... Yeah. It's actually... uh, Yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, I know. No, no. I I do love Mm. benzos, but they make me forget. And they... Like, honestly, like, I was so fucked up during all of high school, and I don't remember any of it, that I don't want to take Xanax ever again. Like, I... Like, I have gotten Xanax for free from people and just stowed it away and given it to other people because I... It's great for planes. It's great for plane flights. Yeah, but... you're afraid of flying. uh, Yeah. I mean, it is for... It is for anxiety, but when you use it for your everyday life, like, I can't... I can't control... Yeah. And they used to give... um, When you use it for your everyday life. Valium in the 70s. Exactly. For postpartum depression. I did Valium for the first... Or, like, it was because I was prescribed... I was prescribed Valium. I was prescribed Valium when I was in the third grade. Wow. 
Wow, you had serious anxiety. No, I, I had a neck injury. Why would they give you Valium? That makes no sense. It's a benzodiazepine. It's they just for... wanted me to relax. Wow. No, they didn't give me Valium. They gave me Vicodin. Oh, okay. Well, no, that's They gave opioid, me Vicodin. Which doesn't necessarily help because opioids just mask the pain and then you can hurt yourself more. If you, They should have given you a muscle relaxant. They should have given you some yeah. Soma. Like no, soma yeah. Soma, but Soma I also abused. Ah, Soma's a lot of fun. I abused Soma in the late 90s. I would take a Soma. And I was in like high school. Beers, yeah. I was in a Soma, and I was like, let's go, friends. Uh, but it was it, only because I was so cheap in college, I couldn't afford alcohol, so I could use pills. Oh, no. The fact, that I, the fact that I take medication now, I used to be a 17-drink-a-night girl. I've had I've had three drinks tonight or four. Yeah, yeah. No, I used to in college. Uh, it was so funny because I was a dancer and I was a lot larger than I am now, and I was dancing like four hours a day. But I was also shotgunning and drinking like twelve beers a night. Yeah, it was like oh no. So I moved from beer to wine, and I lost like ten pounds immediately. That's what I keep telling. Aaron is because he he wants to lose weight and he's talking about like oh I just need to like go on this diet and I'm like no dude you just need to stop drinking beer yeah, you're I drinking I IPA yeah, yeah from yeah. beer to wine like yeah. honestly yeah. seltzer too it just makes you bloated it's I mean and it's the water weight I mean there's all kinds of things happening but so that was always my problem and when I fell on my face and had my whole alcoholic come to Jesus thing in uh, February 1st of this year and people were like, oh, you drink too much, blah, blah. And I'm like, I actually don't drink too much. The problem is that I don't eat enough. The problem mm -hmm. is that I actually have an eating disorder. And so when I'm drinking all day on a Saturday, I'm thinking the whole time, well, I've had 2,000 well, many calories yeah, from the beer. Yes. Alcohol. Yeah, I was drunk anorexic for a while. Else. I was drunk anorexic for a while. Exactly. So I'm eating enough calories, but I'm not having real food. And so that's why I fell on my face and I had to get 15 stitches in my eye, et cetera, et cetera. So I made a deal with myself that I'm not allowed to drink unless I'm only allowed to have a beer for every 200. So if a beer is 200 calories, I'm not allowed to have that beer unless I've had 200 calories. That's a so good I idea. Have to. I'm not allowed. I have to eat before I drink. And again, tonight, I, I'm eating as much as I'm drinking. I've been eating. I have a granola bar in there that I need to eat in a second. And I had all the cheeses and all the things, and I was eating, and I made sure. But it's not that I have a drinking problem because I honestly don't drink. Even when I day drink, I only have one beer on the hour. So if I've been drinking for 14 hours, I've had 15 drinks. Yeah. So I have I, I just keep it going all day and I love it and I love day drinking. But I have to eat because I have to eat. So you have to eat. Because I have to eat. And that's the come to Jesus talk I had with myself is that I'm not an alcoholic. I have an eating disorder. And you know, and then that plays into all of my like fucking self esteem issues and blah blah blah. But and I'm an adult now. These are the things I'm dealing with. So, yay, I'm an adult yay. now, yay. Being an adult is so crazy, honestly. Like, I'm just transitioning from kind of being a kid, obviously. Like, I'm very young. I'm 22. I, like, I very often have to remind myself, like, oh, my gosh, this is what it's like not to be a kid. Like, it's not, it's not that things are happening 
much worse than they were happening before. It's just that they're happening right now and I'm aware of them. So here's the thing I have to say, and some of our other friends have left tonight, but I'm a person that got a DUI when I was 32. And I don't support anyone ever drinking behind the wheel ever at any time. Always leave your car. It is better to get a ticket. It's better to have your car towed. It's better to pay the $600 when your car is towed or to leave it somewhere and get a ticket than it is to get a DUI and spend the minimum $10,000 and all the other things that happen. Please, 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 please always leave your car. Don't drive drunk. Don't be dumb. And I know you're young. I know you think that you're going to live forever, and I know you think it's fine. But please, anybody out there, take it from the old lady who hasn't driven in 14 years now because I'm a responsible adult. I'm a responsible adult, and I drink, and I smoke pot, and that's why I don't drive. Please, 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 never, ever, ever, ever. Because even if you think you can drive, it doesn't matter. They're still going to get you in trouble. And even if you can pass all their sobriety tests, if that breathalyzer comes above 0.08, which is like two drinks, and if you haven't eaten, please eat, please eat. If you haven't, it is so easy to blow 0.08. And you just don't want to deal with that headache. So leave your car. Leave it parked. Get a ticket. Get it towed. It doesn't matter. It's better than driving home. Okay, that's my PSA. da 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 Old lady trying to... To teach the children. <laughs> I love it. It's, I'm just saying. Like, it's always better. Even if you have to take a $150 Uber, it is cheaper than getting a DUI. Because they're out there and they're looking for you. They just, they, it's just money in their pocket. Don't do it. Okay. Da, 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 da. We, we should play some music. Yeah. Let's Sam's music. bag is here, so he should be coming back. Mm-hmm. Sam, come back. Sorry. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll uh, what what kind of music do you like? Um, I'm a big fan of anything. Oh, <laughs> anything. I'm a big fan of anything.
to right feet on backwards tackle nonsense in a sensical sensual causal relationship of worldly matters of materially frantastical emotioning questions of checkery and balanced an even more set of throws into the early to be evening, if that was your time of night, and it was, not to stop bother or just that it was, slily changed and to the left again, patter as if that pattern was gently dipped into a spiky street of electrics whizzed by with the murmurs of hearts neatly tucked behind stereos while mild chatter of the news events of a day yet to come more was happening a world away, as it always was and thus reported into the airwaves if you were inclined or reclined to listen or let it flow into as the FM programming you choose to start your day. When the day becomes and turns away the night which you forget for the purposes of sanity, yet seek it again on a regular basis to maintain such a staticity of non-forgetfulness, only slightly to offset the ends of sanity again, and again, which oddly fits your design, or did and does by memory alone, as you may be in these moments as listening again, what is it that continues the forces of life inside any of us, or simultaneously all of us, and also what brings death and is that in sequence or altogether? Is death perhaps overworked these days, and should we feel sorrow for a job which ought not to return a lot of satisfaction to such a non-forced force of zeroing out, or is it a time of jubilee for the finals to be lifted and sorted or tossed around on sleds into a trucked city vehicle while their families wander from far away if they'll see their child in the stars that very evening, or perhaps next week, and wait. It was a ghost town. This town outside of town, where the reported and seemingly dead arrived, in a bus, to a bar which nay served alcohol, at a time which was neither between day or night, and as it unloaded, the people on it, looked forward and around a bit, and didn't talk or offer each other a help of any kind, for that's what got them into this predicament. And it was a predicament, preceded by a non-behavior and thrown under, their arms like the pillow they brought to bed and perhaps still had clinging on as some to the last bits of electrics which grounded them to this, the planet of their choosing, as delivered their lifetime ago by that hopped up beast of perhaps a stork, or shot out of a cannon as they now remembered, making their way towards a new challenge, delivered at that very hospital, or one near and far away from their hearts, which were no longer beating themselves up like the drummer they perhaps followed, or perhaps even made a sound in motion to start their own circle, and did. Well did, was the operative word here, and there was no operation. For some this was a relief and for others they'd hoped of a bit more fervor in their demise, instead of this old bus, which was now pulling away to get some more. And the more company it brought, you'd think the mood would change, or that the party would start, and that life would begin again for these souls without narrow pair of sock on some, perhaps too rich to go poor on the streets they loved, or even not given the chance to go mad and rediscover a world of living before they unchoose to, well, what had happened? Death was standing over, just there. But he had a sort of uniform on. Not the usual one you'd expect, big black coat with cold black eyes you couldn't see. And he had a voice. Again, not the usual tonal somber one you'd see in film, but a quiet common directing voice as he took out a map and motioned to a set of others on where this next lot was meant to settle. A settlement for the dead. On this planet? Or in it? There was a hole up ahead. Some people were already walking towards it, perhaps that's where they were meant to go in such a malaise of non-reasoning, they reasoned with each other and some began to point. The men pointed back at them and motioned. 
there was a young man, or perhaps a young woman though likely it was a man and based on his pajamas he'd been comfortable up until a moment ago, or several, counting the Riga's route which the bus took on its way up here. Or was it down here? He pondered. The lights were still visible from where he stood, that way over there. That warm city, and now this cold plot and plotted bit of land with a warmish hole. That was their reasoning. The man's name had to be reminded to himself at this moment, by the too soon pair of other uniformed men who approached him and called to his attention his new identification. It goes on your toe, sir, was a bit of laughter from the other. We tag him and bag him and you have made a grade up to the other level one said. Oh. It's just I. Was a stammering about to happen. He thought he'd get his bearings first, but time in this place was not a luxury as it was on the, and where am I? Level K, said the other. That's where we're taking you. Answers to his questions were not forthright and he decided he would walk along and discover what the men were up and about. They looked down at his feet and turned with each other and walked a bit in the direction our character was thinking of going in anyway. They all moved forward. One had a radio, and it twackered every 30 seconds or so. No audio and there was a solemn understanding between the men, who moved in their usual way and as if they had some regular duty here, and they did. To deliver this man to the level, as stated, K. A small door appeared lit only by the seam to show that there were electrics inside, and perhaps life he thought. I mean who would power the electrics, and perhaps there was heat. It was dimly cold and wet outside, and he'd hoped for perhaps a cocoa once they'd arrived at a resting spot. The door opened and a middle-aged woman motioned them in. Inside was just a couch, and a television which was not turned on, and he sat as was motioned to do so, and they left. He fiddled with the couch and sat for a bit, then decided to lay down and wait for something else to happen. His eyes closed. Closure, he thought to himself as in close again, and now on a couch. He'd just left his bed, and how? Odd he couldn't remember. What about the night before? Still nothing. Though he recognized his own pajamas. They were a gift, for he'd never consider wearing clothes to bed until people started buying them at holidays. Birthday. His mind sprang a bit. Yeah, he remembered that. Well the word anyway, but forgot the date. Hum. He hummed to himself. The couch was comfortable still, and still, and as he was, was noticing the something nothing around him was as familiar as his memory of forgetfulness. He was kind of enjoying the non-enjoying and hoped it would last for a while too, when a chime chimed. Your up popped in the young women, through a door which appeared only momentarily and lingered lit and hopeful for his arrival through it and onto something new and perhaps exciting. I wouldn't bet on it the young women held the door open still. Oh, what? Exciting, isn't it you'll think to yourself as you walk towards me and perhaps it will be, but I've never seen it her eyes bobbed a bit over his pajamas. He was noticing that everybody was noticing his pajamas, including himself and he smiled now and turned up towards the lady and decided to make a change. James, he offered a glance over her in his hand to shake it if she was so undesirable to do so. Oh she shook his hand and her lips stilted towards a similar smile in a manner liking to him. Your new home is it? Last one left you behind? Well we've got you here and in the now she offered a bit more of herself as light conversation. Oh, well good, I mean. 
It's nice to. I mean. See. I mean look at you. Still human right? Aren't we? A bit more of that and we'll all be in to spring in no time she beamed a bit more here come along and listen. And put her arm around him as they both walked into the level while she let the door close behind them. There is more conversation through here, and there. And. She motioned there. The ideas are sorted throughout but I think you will find they're color coded to your liking. At least I think so. The mats are for player playfulness, not resting, and the coffee pot is locked up. But I'll get you a cup if you'd like. Caffeine at this time of night though, I wouldn't recommend it, but some do. Just up ahead the hallways were opening and rooms became larger, with a twisty maze of passages broken off from left to center and they appeared to light up as he saw people walking around and through them, with some evidence of direction. Some were carrying notebooks and others simply appeared and disappeared in their gowns without shoes, of varying colors. Yes. I'd love a cup. It'll just get me started yet no. I mean it was a long. He'd forgotten about the bus. He'd forgotten about the door he'd remember this place, surely. And he looked over to her to see what she was about to say. Synaptic haptics the stated in plain technical language. It's the engine which runs this place. Thought up by thought itself. Kind of a miracle it works at all, and that's kind and to the point. You'll discover in a second and she handed him a coffee. It was black and sweet, and a bit artificial tasting, and he sucked at it and it was warm and he kept the cup at his side and thought to speak. So what do you do here? I mean besides this he attempted a light bit of conversation he was sort of used to, in these types of situations which had now become rare enough. I bring the people who power the machine, and you're it. Would you like to know more? Because I would. We all would and the last one just fired. Oh good there's still some in there, I thought I'd have to push you in the chute, but things seem to still be functioning. Shoot. Shoot. Oh that there. Well I wouldn't jump in there, it's frightening you'd have to push me. They both smiled. Yes, that's what I do, normally. But we have some time, would you like to take a walk? They did walk, around the outside, as it was in this place of interior. And occasionally they saw some people, and mostly it just hummed, and they talked. And she reminded him of some of the tools of coping he'd forgotten, and while he didn't need coping now, he thought he might, and might remember, and if anything it was that, and her smile and they carried on about the place, and, well about the place and what it was for and for whom and why indeed and however and so and so about who the guy was walking, and then about the drawings on the walls they were passing, and the variety of colors which were always just on the sides of them as they passed through each space. Things were indeed warm at this moment, and he looked at her again, this time with familiarity and friendship, and was hopeful they could stay together for some time more, and that they'd discover this place and see it in the new light, and carry each other on in conversation and fluidity and that it would be good for the pair of them. If you'd like was her verbal response to his non-verbal reckoning. It's more and more like yourself the more you put into it, you'll find that, and it'll find you, and bit more at a time while we're all comfortable, and that's the idea she smiled jokingly. The idea she repeated it's just that's the point of this place. Two of you, the idea. Welcome to level K. We're off to a good start, I thought you might. And here we are. Fab. If you have any more. I'm keen to listen she listened. 
Hear that warble up ahead? That's you. We'd best keep be walking while it's still an idea and she took his hand, perhaps warmed by the coffee, but very likely by the idea of a place to have something, and hold it gently, and that wasn't the artificial sweetener talking. This place was a good idea, and he smiled to himself as gently as she touched his fingers, and carried himself up a bit with her, through the level, as it lit up and fired and the visuals became deeper and he even touched the walls sometimes and they glowed and he looked at her and she glowed, and it was pretty damn magical for this time of a lifetime to discover her in such a place, and so they flowed into it, and it flowed, and when they stopped, it still happened around them, and when then moved, there was a bit of zippiness, but it stayed with them. Well, we've reached 88 lines of code she stamped her feet gently as he just noticed her light shoes for the first time you know that's your little joke, and it's time for punch up punch tape light conversation. Here let's put on a bit of music. Thanks for the idea. The music came on and they smiled and continued on to walk and silently talk a bit, observing the synapses which fired in the vision which appeared on the walls, and it was fine and on and on they wanted to go. Which was a good start. I have a little joke too. He finally said out loud. Oh? You were fired. And he dove into her and kissed her everywhere at once illuminating the entire place with a spark which went off into every direction, just for a second, which seemed like the life and worth living for that instant and a lifetime, and instantaneously it was and is. At just a little synaptic joke, he grinned at her. She was still lit up and look at her arms, throw back she grinned, and welcome to the happenings of haptics. You've made a great egg drop bother stop drop on. That's funny coming from you. The next one's better. And it was, and was again, and again. And they fired each synapse they chose, and sparked with love at each quarter of an idea that made them look at each other, in their eyes, or eyes to any part that needed sparking, and they understood, for that was this place, and they continued and met each other and stayed themselves of course, and sometimes carried each other on in lighter conversation, or as they overheard the walls talking to them, and then they would suddenly smile and it would happen again. They banged on the brain walls just for the fun of it, and fell over as they were toppled about, and onto each other. And that made them laugh more and they rolled around and stayed here and there for a bit more each time, and sometimes they ran, if it was their choosing. And sometimes they posed and talked about the art which should be here and over there and sometimes they saved each other from a doldrum of underthinking, or over non-participating, and they had now and continued to begin, and know they had always been with each other, as electrics and electrics didn't falter. Not here in this purity of space, and space capped they fired it, and fired it again, and rang a bell and kicked the walls and made it jump and they tuned an orchestral of sound, and it rang through the chambers, and they found the corner of this place, and would create anything they wished for a time and time again, which they found with each and again too. And it was good. Dash. The preceded oracle audit modis are built and maintained for the inspirational inspired set of living juxtapositional elements which bring rocks to the ocean and women into fluffy places where cuddly was in fact, invented. Maintained with jester lews of material speculatory, we shine on the dark where I believe it's for two and a half feet of tubing with the heat meant just for the now and now again, as needed. Take two. Aqua Q.
wrote this song. My turn-ons are dancing in the dark, kissing on a lark, and peeing in the park. You should follow me on Twitter. It's jokes to Carl. That's the duh of Francais, not the duh of dumbass. But never mind that. Don't follow me now. Follow me later. I mean, for right now. Ah, let's watch a full-length movie on you. L-M-O-Y-T. What a bunch of letters. Welcome to Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. L-W-A-S-L-M-O-Y-T. That is our acronym, and you can find our podcast with that. You can find our Twitter feed with that acronym. You can find us on our YouTube channel, which is terrific. And, uh, oh, I don't know. We're on Facebook as Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube. We uh, stream our show first on mutinyradio.fm, which is uh, on the internet, internet radio. Yeah. And you can hear us every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you want to make a day of it, why don't you listen to the show before us at noon? It's called The Edge of Insanity. It's hosted by Paul Brumbaugh. And Carl, what's the movie today? What are we watching? We are going to watch The Taking of the Pelham 1, 2, 3. But... 1998, okay? Yeah. Not 1974, what? not the current one. Wait, wait, wait. The Taking of uh, the Pellet 1, 2, 3, 1998. So the one with Denzel, it was not the first remake. It was the second remake of this movie? Yeah. It was one in 1990. That's right, exactly. Now, you want to... Oh, I'm a... Pelham is P-E-L-H-A-M, and you want to write out the letters, one, two, three, in the English words, and then put in 1998 okay. so you get the right one, because there's choices. And we yeah, like real one. channel Gregorian Barada, B-U-R-A-D-A, Gregorian Barada. All right, sounds good. So we want you to watch this movie and listen to our podcast at the same time to truly experience us. Uh, and we also, we have no sponsors today, but we want you to make a donation to Mutiny Radio for being the best. And yeah. we give it up, of course, to uh, Pam, Bam Benjamin, the station Bam manager, Pam Benjamin, <laughs> for making everything happen. So why don't you go to Venmo and donate some money to at Mutiny Radio. And then that's the only and also, we want you to subscribe to The Edge of Insanity because not only is uh, Paul Brumbaugh the uh, show, host the show before us, he's also going to do the countdown for us today, the countdown us hitting go. We want you to hit the link for the Taking a Pen, Pell Ham 123XBiz MP3, uh, hit pause, move the slider to 000, and when Paul says go, we want you to hit the play button with us. Uh, of course, uh, Paul's not here right now, so we do have the next best thing, the Paul Brumbot. Uh, <laughs> Carl, if you may. Yes, here comes the Brumbot. All right, so let's get this started. I am, I am ready. It was a live show. We're very excited to have Paul here as our countdown gentleman. Let's get ready to Brumbot. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to Brumbot. Okay, so let's get ready to Brumbot. And now... What you've all been waiting for, master of the descending numerals. The Countdown King himself. 
Would you please welcome Mr. Paul Brumbaugh? All right, guys, you know the drill. Put that finger right over that triangle and do it in three, two, one, go. Uh, I love how uh, fake movies, uh, when you watch my TV, they'll say this film has been edited for content and for time restriction. Yeah. As if you're a real movie. Right. Right? It was written. It was made for TV. Yeah. Yeah, so what's up with that? Uh Uh-oh. Too soon, Carl. Oh, no, that's not the World Trade Center. There it is. Oh, there's the World Trade Center. Over the bridge. We saw it. Yeah, 1998, you start off in the New York skyline, you know what's going to go next. That's right. There was the '96 bombing had happened. Right. Well, this is the subway system. This is a famous 1974 Walter Matthau movie about. I never really understood it, Carl. A bunch of criminals decide to hold up a subway. Yeah, they on the Pelham line. It's uh, one the Pelham. It's the one train, the two train, or the express, the three. Oh, wow, gosh, they are really ambitious. They're taking all the train. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow, they sound like my commute. Huh? I had to take the Pelham one and then the two and then three. <laughs> By the way, this font is courtesy of Blender Magazine, 1997. Look at that. That's 90s font. Yeah, it is 90s font. It really is. Yeah, guess who? And Lorraine Bracco. Yep, that's right. We call it Oh, so she's the Sopranos therapist. Yes, this is clearly uh, pre-Sopranos, and uh, it is also, uh, I think it's pre-Goodfellows. It must be. No, no. You were talking about 1998, so Goodfellows is in the 91. Yeah, 90 or 91. Best known for her performance as Karen Freeman Hill in the 1990 Martin Scorsese film Goodfellas. So, yeah, this is okay. long after that, but way before Sopranos. This has a, oh, God, what was that movie with the, the bicycle movie where Michael Shannon's the bad guy and it's, uh, uh, shit, the kid from Third Rock from the Sun. And he's like a quick, he's like a superstar bike messenger to save the day. I, uh, you know what? It'll come to me. <laughs> okay, now the it's first not... thing we saw see is one of the criminals, and the very first thing he does is sneeze. That's important to the to, oh. to the plot. Well, if I can spoil this movie, I've seen the original. That's the way Walter Matthau recognized <laughs> the villain because the villain sneezes on the phone, and then he talks to him in the end of the movie, and he has the same cadence to sneeze. Right. Now, when he sneezes in the 1974 one, the the main bad guy looks at him like, you know, you idiot, right? And right. so yeah. Mr. Matthau's character notices, hey, listen, did you hear that? Yeah. But that doesn't really happen in this one. Huh. I found that charming. You know, sometimes movies are fun when it, it doesn't seem like it's an amusement park ride where everything is mechanic, you know, like... A human error occurs, and that's the downfall. You know, something unexpected like that. Point. Yeah. Like, that seems more natural. So I always like that movie about it. Oh, I feel like I could smell the scent of the subway already. <laughs> this movie's pretty good. Now, did you see the two no, kids? No yeah. 
Is that, is that gonna it's the younger one is also a pre-Sopranos actor. Oh, is it uh the son? Yeah, it's it's um it's not the son. It's a he was only in one episode of the Sopranos. It was a flashback to when Tony was a kid. Oh, I gotcha. So when was the Sopranos? You sent me you really do act like it was before it was after nineteen ninety eight. Well, like, I, I don't would think know it was concurrent. Sopranos started. Um, I mean, see if I after the nineties. Yeah, I'm gonna see if I. Let me uh, do my uh, ask HBO. My HBO program. HBO, tell me more about the Sopranos. With pleasure. Thank you for your question. I was built to answer that question. The Sopranos is the highest singer in a choir. Oh, well, <laughs> is that helpful to you? According to Wikipedia, if I wanted Wikipedia, I would go ask fucking Wikipedia. Yeah, I would go browse to Wikipedia. Yeah, you cheater. Those voice uh, control devices, they're like, you know, cramming the information the night before. Well, according to Wikipedia.com, yeah, F. Can't get a book? <laughs> All right, so a bunch of shady people are waiting for the uh, subway. Yeah, and the truth is, this is not the New York City subway. This was all shot in Toronto. Oh. Well, yeah, because you want want a New York City movie without any flavor of New York City. Right, exactly. Oh, except her, right here. You see her? She's a flavor of New York City. She was born in Queens. Oh. So she's making this movie authentic. Yes, as is this guy who's right now getting held up. Oh, so they only have the New York actors as the drivers in it. Oh, I guess a couple of people in the control room booth will be like, "What's going on?" No, they do the New York act. No, not her. Her this she that's Mrs. Brown. Ms. That's Mr. Brown, believe it or not, and she is actually all about Canada. She wormed her way into this production. Nice. I like that. It's a diverse crowd. You got Americans and Canadians. Now, uh, we should mention that uh, usually if you watch a television show on cable, they have what they call a bug, which is a little logo that's in the corner of your screen. Yeah. But uh, we got to give it up to Gregory and Baruda for providing us a movie with the blurred screen. Oh, he sneezed. Yeah. As uh, so before. Do you remember wiping your nose with your gun back when you could? Yeah, before COVID, I used to wipe my nose with my gun. Didn't worry Me about too, but I, I was holding. Yeah, I was holding a Pelham four five six, you know, because uh, <laughs> in real life that was that was the subway to do. The um, this movie's so odd. one two or three. The Pelham one two three. You're not from New York, right. but so, you kind of are. I've never seen the first taking of Pelham 1, 2, and the, the sequel, the uh, taking of Pelham 1, 2, 2. So I'm hoping this movie's better. You know, I don't want to get too confused because I've never now, seen the first two a, He is a subway driver who who's, like, disgruntled. He got fired, you know. So he's why... Take it up. Uh, he, that's why he's part of this plot. Oh, I see. Is he going to get on the loudspeaker? I'm having a bad day. He is going to get on the loudspeaker, and he is going to freak out. 
<laughs> yeah, that's great. Right, and all the passages are going to hear. Bad day. What? The loudspeaker said what? So I guess he's not going to get on the loudspeaker. He is going to talk to the cops. Um... And now this is our Denzel Washington, Walter Matthau cop, right? Oh, no, he's going exactly. oh, look at that. <laughs> that cat has a mask. No, he doesn't. This is he's a copy. City, um, subway car. It's just not a New York City subway car. Now, even though I know New York real well, I, I didn't notice that until they told me. Like the New York City ones, they sort right. of look like the seats at McDonald's. Uh, they're hard plastic with uh, orange-colored uh, seat and kind of look like a pillow almost. Yeah, usually there's McDonald's foods on these on the seats. So these are retired okay. Toronto TTC subway system cars, and they were shipped to the scrapyard the day after the filming was over, still disguised as huh. New York cars. Oh, so they didn't go to the wrap party, the cars? They just immediately sent them to the shipyard? Now, this is Edward Almost, and he's a cop, and for some reason, he's already in the subway. He's like on the transit oh, yeah. or something weird. And they're noticing that Pelham that, has stopped. Is that the subway nerve system? I guess. The, the, yeah. So he's just trying to, it's weird thing almost. He looks young, even though it was 1998. Yeah. Yeah. I remember him from uh, Blade Runner. That's how I got to know him. Oh, right. But wasn't he dressed up as an old man in that movie? That was 82. And then he's in the sequel, I think. Yeah, he is Blade in the Blade Runner sequel. 20. Right, 2049. Yeah. They should have called that 2049 and 2050 because that was one long movie. Yeah, that movie was going great. It was going great. And then all of a sudden it said, yeah, we're going to suck for the rest of the film. Hey, do you guys like Tara Leto? We don't either. Here he is. (laughs) Great. Did they wait like two hours into the movie before bringing in Jared Leto because you can't get your money back? You sat (laughs) two years in the movie, buddy. (laughs) I didn't know. I didn't know he was in this movie. Plah. Sorry, man. I got Joker insurance. We're not paying you back. Okay, so they detach the other car, and they're just in one car. Now, in real life, it's two cars, because Toronto subway cars were like that. You have to have two cars attached. I don't know why, but they'll trick us throughout the film to make us think this is one cab, one car. Technically, there's only Pelham 1-2 in this movie, but they're they're using movie magic to make okay, it look like so Pelham 1-2-3. Mike, 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 the way it works is there is a track of no, yes. a line of track called Pelham. It's called the Pelham line, right. okay? And you could get on right. one of three cars there. You can get on two local cars, right. the one or the two, but if a three comes along, it's only stopping at certain stations. So the Pelham 1-2-3 is... All the cars that run. I got you. So it's not three train cars on one connected together. It's three different lines. Correct. No, it's not three different lines. It's one line, 
But there's three different types uh -huh. of trains. Three different types of trains. Oh, I got you. Perfect. And are they friends with Thomas the Tank Engine? Or am yes, I wrong they about are. That? Two okay. locals and one express, oh. and the locals are friends with Thomas. Okay, Oh, that's now. so sweet. Vincent Frio. I don't know how to say it. He's a Gomer Pyle from Full Metal Jacket. He's letting it yeah, be known they've sure. been hijacked. Oh, that's not nice. Is this the guy that, is he the Hulk? No, that's Mark Ruffio. Right. Ruffle chips. He looks like the Hulk, doesn't he? I guess, he yes. Men in Black. Or... Yeah, Men in Black. He's, He's the in... bug in Men in Black. Yeah. I guess he was good as Gummer Pile, too. That was a pretty good movie. It really was. And um, he was... The, the Gomer Pyle character was a thin, skinny, redneck kind of guy. But when um, yeah. uh, the director... What's that famous director's name? When he saw this guy, he said it would be better if he was chubby right. and clumsy. That's how this guy got his gig. That gig. It's launched a career for him. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's an intense, uh, intense role and intense for preparation. And, yeah, he uh, wouldn't be on Law and Order man. if it wasn't for that. And I think the last time I watched that movie was on a double video cassette. Uh -huh. it's, been a, it's been a while. I just, it's an intense movie. You don't, you know, you don't have to see it every day. You know what's funny is it is two movies, right? It's the movie at boot camp, right, yeah. the movie in Vietnam. It's two movies. Yeah, but that's what's so great about it is that the preparation it gives you, it has nothing to do with what actually happens. You know, it's uh, it dehumanizes you to the point where you attack back and then you uh, are sent off to this kind of crazy war. Anyway, I don't know what this has to do with column one or two or, or the Express, huh? Yeah, I think no, it's the three. Nothing. Can you okay, imagine so being in Toronto in rush hour and there's only a two-car train that shows up at 5.15? At You're like, fuck you. Anyway, yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm computer complaining. <laughs> well, no, we just missed uh, the line supervisors like getting frustrated. Why isn't he moving? I'm going down there. So he's going down there in person. Now, this guy, uh. is it's his lucky day, even though he doesn't know it. He's being told to go get the other passengers from the other train and walk them off of the tracks. So he's basically getting to go. Now, she stands up and says, I got to go. I have a doctor's appointment. And he's like, no way, no way. Then she says, this happened to me on the Long Island Railroad two years ago, and I can't take it again. So that must be a reference to Colin Ferguson. Oh, tell me, what was up with Colin Ferguson? Colin Ferguson in 96 was a guy who went batshit crazy and shot up a bunch of people on the LIE. And his court case oh. was very famous, and he represented himself like an idiot. Um, and, you know, Colin, you didn't hear of that yeah. shooting, I guess. You were deep in Frisco by that yeah, right. time. 98, I was deep in Frisco, that's right. Yeah. I wasn't really uh, involved in Long Island Expressway. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. you certainly heard of, like... Um, uh, it was around the time of like, um, what is it? What is it? Amy, what's her name? Uh, but a fusco, but a fusco. 
Amy, Amy Fisher. Amy, it was right? around the time of Amy Fisher and Donnie Bonafuco, whatever his name is. And this took a yeah, little bit Donnie of press Fisher. time away from those guys. Colin. Yeah, I'm familiar with Donnie Bonafuco and uh, Amy Fisher as a Long Island Lolita, but I've never heard of Colin Ferguson, the Long Island Lolita killer. Joey Bonafuco, yeah. that's right, that's right. L-I- the L-I-E-D-O-A. <laughs> The lights went yeah, out. The third everybody diamond. out. They cut the power, and everyone got super scared. A, Jittery. Every, yeah, have you ever been in an apartment and it shuts down? People freak out. Yeah. <laughs> I can't breathe. Yeah. I get it. We're underwater. Stuck. Now, he's Mr. Blue. Just like uh, Reservoir Dogs, they all have colors. So that we're looking right now well, is Mr. Cool. Green, and he's setting up uh, motion detectors. Now, now Pelham 1974 also had the color. That came before Reservoir Dogs. Yes. And Quentin Tarantino has so, to admit to something he didn't invent, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all in the spirit of you know, mm-hmm. cultural appropriation. No, not even that. It's re, uh, they're uh, remixing. He's remixing existing uh, popular tropes. Yes, I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah, he's not ripping off Hall of Fail. He's ripping off Hall of Fail, but for a reason. Now, this guy uh, is your typical, when, I'm a New Yorker. I'm the head of something in New York, so I'm all mad all the time. Good morning, Pelham. That's right. He's like, what is this? He's screaming. Oh, Pelham, Pelham. Answer me. <laughs> Yeah, hi. Long time listener, first time caller. I love <laughs> listening to Cover 123. This is Gomer Pyle. <laughs> I'm here for the whole clock business. What do you mean, Mark Ruffalo? Here we go. Uh, two here. You know that Taz Halloween? Hey. Personally coming down there to fry your. We have taken your train. So he... We have taken your train. Holy shit. What are you This must be the taking of Pelham one two three. Yeah, I take that train every day to work. Which one? The first, the one or the two or do you the take three, the express? The, express the, three. the three, yeah. Uh, yeah. I like how there's no one really on the subway. What exactly do you mean? Yeah, they're always taking time. Are you the operator? Negative. Then who are you? Do I look like Mary Thomas? Heavily armed. We have hostages. Uh-huh. And we're in a bad mood. And we have twenty dollars in our PayPal account. Things are gonna get fucked up. <laughs> now they wow. put those colors, Mr. Green, Mr. Blue, Mr. Brown, and Mr. Gray. And only Mr. Green's real name do we get to hear. Like in the 1974 one, we learn all of their names. Um, But in this one, it's only this guy. His name's Herbert Langman. He's at the end. They go to his apartment, you know. 
one of the henchmen is like, come on, Herbert, we got to take over this train. Don't use my name. I'm so sorry, Mr. Langham. I will never do that again. So now he's calling his old partner, um, Lorraine Bracco, <laughs> saying, you know, she's like, how are you liking the transit department? Things not enough for you there. And he goes, it's pretty real right now. We got a hijacking. Get down here. And she's like, I'll be right there. These guys, are. did they just shoot one day? Like, did they almost just go into that one set and they're just like, go nuts. You would think with her accent that she's all New York. But she lived in France in 74. She was a fashion model. And she lived there for like 10 years. Um, and when she was she was modeling, this guy, his name's Mark Camoletti, I don't know, offered her a, a, a role, a major role in, for one of his plays in a film. And she took it for the right. money. She said it was a boring experience. Her performance was terrible, but everybody liked her. Uh, and she did two other French films just for the money. That's how she didn't even want to oh, be in movies. Just for the money is a great French film. Delightful. Oh, really? <laughs> Should I put it in my? Well, and what about this? And what about this movie? She did it for the, the the experience. I think she was a movie star by this point, and she was a working actress. But in the '80s, she was a disc jockey for Radio Luxembourg. That's so crazy. Yeah. The soprano therapist or the radio DJ? And now if it's Luxembourg, I guess she was speaking French. I'm sure she's fluent in French. Yeah. She was one yeah, of the uh, wow. they considered for Catwoman. You know, that uh, um, Tim Con Tim Burton's uh, Batman. Yeah, Batman Returns. Right, but she turned them down. Wow, he turned on Batman. Yeah, what that that yeah. cuckoo bird was uh, going for the part, remember? And she turned them down. No, cuckoo bird. I know who you're referring to. You're talking about Sean uh, Young. Who, yeah, right. For me, it's just the same as cuckoo as anyone else. Yeah, she uh, made homemade audition tapes for the first movie mm -hmm. and sent it out and it went public. But I don't think she was even in the running by the second. So. Oh, no, maybe you're right. Maybe she did it was for Catwoman. That's well, a weird uh, Tim Burton's uh, Batman was the one with Danny DeVito, and that was the Catwoman one. Oh, right. And she yeah, so showed up in person to audition. Officer, oh, what's so going fun. on? Can't you see him on the payphone? Yeah. Well, I gotta be right called him on the radio, and they said... Listen, we got to tell you something sensitive. Phone in. And that is that the train's been hijacked. So the one subway guy who's going down there to see what's going on, they're like, go stop him, you know. So he's right. going to get on the tracks. Good for him. He was able to use a payphone without wiping it down. That's really good. It's pre-COVID. Well, it's also like pre-broken payphone every every station. Oh, 
Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, this is Toronto. Yeah. When was the last time you used... There's still payphones in the uh, uh, BART stations. Like, if you ever needed a payphone, you should go to a, a subway station. Really? That's actually Seven very good. Yeah, because I don't know, you know. I used to walk around with quarters in my pocket all the time for the phone. Now, here's Michio Kaku. Okay, it's not Michio Kaku. Okay. okay, now we have, like, fake analysis of uh, Mr. Blue's mentality, you know? He's a mastermind! He's got everything planned down to the second. It's really quite ridiculous. He, uh, he's mellow, he's melancholic. he's, uh, depressed, he, uh, he has depression, he likes the ocean. You're just associating things with the word blue. No, no, he's a smurf, uh, he, uh, he's a Krishna. Uh, I'm gonna be late for my doctor's appointment. The, the kid's gotta go pee. Yeah, it's unpredictable, well, I'm just saying yeah. Is it number one or number two? Mr. Brown is getting upset. Uh, maybe it isn't right now. Maybe I'm wrong. But when he does go, it's a number one. Okay. Well, I mean, you, how many times have you seen this movie? I This is my only my third time. That we uh, we kind of rushed oh. to. Okay. Yeah, now we have Mr. Gray. And Mr. Gray is the founding member of New Kids on the Block. Oh, that's Donnie W. Yeah. Oh, that's Wahlburger. Yeah. And I'd love to you watch that show, Wahlburgers. That's a great show. It's like the one half hour advertisement after another half hour advertisement. But Donnie gets involved, and Jenny McCarthy, his wife, comes up. They come up with a Jenny Burger. And she doesn't <laughs> Jenny like Jenny McCarthy is his wife. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect for him. Yeah. He's, and she's all over, like, Wahlburgers, you know, because they'll be like, Wahlburgers is their other brother who's a cook and their mom, and they go into the franchise business. And so they have this one, you know, signature restaurant, and that's what the reality show is based on. And This is a real... Uh, they came up with the... Yeah. It's not that interesting, but it is kind of interesting. You know, it's one of those kind of reality shows where you... It doesn't really matter if you're watching it, but it's kind of all right. Well, my showed him as being part of the Saw films. Um, he was yes, in Band of it. Brothers. Like deputy. Yeah. Because it was uh, Danny Glover in the first movie and then Wahlberg in the second movie, like playing the depressed cop trying to chase after Jigsaw. I, I have I never seen too. a Saw film. I've never seen it. You ever see Saw? I never saw That's Saw. Good. I've seen them all, and there's going to be another one, Spiral, with Chris Rock and Sam Jackson. Mm -hmm. Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, oh, my God. Those are some right? high-powered names for a Saw part blah, blah, blah. Movie, right? Wow. Well, that, that horror sequel, I think they made like six Saws, and then there was Jigsaw, which is kind of a spin on it, where there's like a new uh, mastermind. 
I learned a lot from those movies. I always take notes. Like, for example, if you wake up and your head's in the aquarium filled with uh, used hypodermic needles, best to swallow your tongue than to, shake your, to cut your arm off. It's just, you know, general common sense. Mm-hmm. Admit that you ran over this kid in the 1984 and then swallow some broken glass. And, you, you know, you cathartically feel okay. You'll thank Jigsaw for it. So Mr. Blue tells Mr. Gray to leave the wo- woman alone. And he's like, you didn't say the magic word. What's the magic word? And he goes, the magic word is money. And then Mr. Gray, like, snaps too. No, he's right. Well, in 1998, it would probably be heroin. Yeah, man. Toronto heroin in the late 90s. So you didn't see the Walter Matthau film? I did see the Walter Matthau film. Oh, you did? Everyone wears snazzy hats. Yeah. They're all slumpy. He's slumpy. He slumps around. I think they they smoke cigarettes in the nerve center. And uh, at the end, he walks by a guy on the platform, and the guy sneezes funny, and he says, bless you. And the guy says, Bob, thank you. And he goes, wait a minute, I recognize that. Wait. I recognize that sneeze. No, in the end, that happens at the apartment. Yes, that's right. They're they're off station. They made it to their destination. What about the Denzel Washington one? Well, it's been a while since I've seen the. Well, it's been a while since I've seen the other one too. Yeah, I think it's the same thing at the end. Yeah, but okay, so you did see them both, right? Right. This is the only Pelham I haven't seen. I've seen Pelham one, and I've seen Pelham one too. So Johnny, uh, uh, John Travolta in Denzel Washington's version is like a crazy, crazy, right? But in this film and the original, the guy's pretty, pretty cold, right? He's pretty, pretty to the point and calculated. I forgot Travolta's in that movie. God, it's so ridiculous. Okay, so now it's time to pee. So the boy goes to pee, and it's a number one pee. Oh, is this going to be on which rail? Don't piss on the third rail. The power, is that act two? Power is off. Power is off. Boy. Oh, okay. Are they going to the restrooms in the subway station? But what we're going to get right. here this is on. the transit worker. Uh, she starts to soft talk uh mr brown it's like looked at the necklace which is an ak-47 and she's like what does that make you tough are you bad i used to be bad i was so bad i lost my kid now i got a job i got my son back you could be on the good dude girl yeah but mr brown's not taking it yeah mr brown takes it mr brown tries to be tough but uh you know, it's hard around Babs. She's very convincing. A lot of people say my AK-47 necklace is a conversation starter. Thank you. <laughs> now, um, uh, Mr. Brown was all over TV um, in the 90s, and it sort of seems like she's gone back to Canada now. But she was in... Um, Silver Surfer TV series, just one episode. She was in ER as a doctor. Uh, she uh. was on the um, D- Total Recall 2070 Highlander. I mean, there was a Raven. Silver 
So she was on a TV version of Highlander. She was in a TV version of Total Recall. Silver Surfer? Yeah. So Total Recall. Mm-hmm. And there's a 2019 – well, no, that's today. Um, right. She was in the Firm TV series for two episodes. That's nuts. She's come up with your own stuff. Why don't you do something originally? She's taking whoever answers the phone, and I'm with her on this. So now she's <laughs> like in uh, back in Canada with the family, but she's totally into yeah. acting still. Uh huh. They're calling her up and like, do you want to do Steel Magnolias? Yeah, fuck yeah. It's all I've been waiting for all my life. <laughs> Great. Like, okay, did you ever hear mm -hmm. of Impulse? It's on YouTube Red. Impulse? No. There was a Timothy Hunter movie called Impulse where a town does whatever it wants. Like something possesses the people and they, they like pee in the middle of the street. What is <laughs> really? that YouTube? Did movie? I see it? Yeah. What year? I don't know. You got like 81, 82. Like suddenly the town, like, you know, they fuck each other and they like, they do whatever, they break glass and whatever pleases them. They just do it on impulse. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if it, I mean I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I, I think I just remember the trailers. So in nine in twenty nineteen she was in Ransom, um, was a TV version of the movie. Yeah, a TV, I don't know, but it what it is a TV series. So like she had a lot of gigs in the nineties, and then it's like it feels like. Time to raise children because she went away for about 15 years uh, and then she had how, how, more work nowadays. I don't understand. Like, did the producers, uh, the showrunners were like, this will be a great six season run of Hostage, of Ransom? Yeah, right. Yeah, they we'll still dress. have the kids. Yeah, oh, welcome. Season two, they abduct another kid. <laughs> right. Like, oh, they're sending your child, we're sending them to college. <laughs> for four years. Now he, Season five. He, your kid graduated. Now here comes the guy who was like, I'm going to find out what's going on down there. Never mind. It took him all this time to finally walk down there. But uh, Donnie's going to totally yeah. shoot him. Uh-oh. Don't mess with the other Wahlberg. So the line superintendent oh. gets his. Good. I warned you. Wow. Got a machine gun in a subway station. Pa pa pa. Hakan, Hakan. Yeah, he's all business in this movie. I think he's the only actor who's walking. Everyone else is just sitting around yelling at the microphone. So their radar detector is really helpful because it lets them know who's coming. And, of course, they didn't have that in 74 version. No, yeah. And well, I don't remember 2009, 2009 version either. And did the 2009 version, like everyone's like going on their cell phones and they're like, what happened? We connected the – disconnected the router or some shit like that. I don't remember. I did see that film. There was also this interesting subplot in which he got a bribe, you know, Denzel Washington. Remember, Denzel Washington wasn't a cop, right? 
He was like Mr. Right. Blue said, I like you. I want to talk to you. I'm not talking to the negotiator. It was different. Huh. Yeah, I see what you're saying. He was just an everyman, Denzel Washington. Like how people mistake me for Denzel. <laughs> when, when they always have like uh, an A-list celebrity playing like an average Joe who gets mixed up in something, I'm always like, yeah, the average Joe looks like fucking Denzel Washington. Right. Great job. Mr. Handsome. So yeah. they find out that poor Chaz Holloway has been shot, and everybody in Command Central is freaking out. Oh, not T.O.B. money. I'm never going to get that money back. Now we're getting more of Babs softening Mr. Brown. You think you're yeah. a badass girl? <laughs> Is that what you say? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, lady, I don't believe in Christ. We stopped talking to me. I had my soft neck. Right. Uh, you know what? If someone like took over the bar station, no one's gonna notice. You know, they'll go in the in the train. Uh, excuse me, everyone. Excuse me. I don't mean to take up any of your time, but uh, we'll be taking over your train. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. I thought you were a panhandler. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna, thought you were gonna dance while while the train's going. By the way, it was a 1993 Colin Ferguson shooting. Now, I know you don't know about that, but someone listening probably does. That was a big deal, that uh, that incident. And they reference it in the, in the 90s television straight-to-DVD version. Okay, so I missed it, but uh, Mr. Gre uh, Mr. Bl Green was just freaking out. Huh. So that leads them to say, this guy sounds like a disgruntled former worker. Can I have a list of all the people who got fired, you know? And they start to right, right. break down. Um, who could it be? Now we learn something that's a plot point that's not going to lead to anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. There is an undercover cop on the subway. But she, I got to tell you, she does not do anything. In the way end, she has a role and she shoots somebody, but she's hardly a player. Now he's, oh wait, New York freak out. Here he goes. She, he said the F word, and they blanked it out. Wow. So this was maybe, do you think this was theatrically released? Uh, no, I think this was on ABC, and I think they just, he's supposed to be a New York person. But he says something ridiculous. He says, I never thought talking to a murderer would take precedent over running a railroad. I mean, it's it's a dumb thing to say. Doesn't make any sense. Oh. Okay, now that young boy we saw, not only was he young Tony Soprano, but he was also 
Howard Stern in private parts as young Howard Stern in 1997. That movie was... Wow, I can't believe that movie was only 1997. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember when, about that um, Howard was taken to his father's work and that guy started freaking out and breaking records? And Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Howard's father goes, I order you! The power invested in me from the federal communications. That he was young Howard gawking, you know, watching. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. Learn that within a 10 block radius, there's like 20 different places you could access the street. And that's for safety, but it sure does help a hijacker, you know? Oh, they're picking up. And there's Starbucks in every corner, so they can get probably get a frappuccino whenever they want. Now, here's something ridiculous. This guy tells the SWAT guy to go downstairs and then take him out. But that doesn't happen in the plot. But it is what he says. That is his line. And he sends the SWAT team down, and all they do is, like, observe. They're called snipers is what they're called in the, in the teleplay. Right. 